D F S. It is Friday, October 7th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 5 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. Jared, I think the downside to doing it in the evening, because we usually do this more toward midday, the downside is we're not just kicked back relaxing on a Friday night, which I don't know if I'm usually at that point anyway, because I'm catching up on injury stuff. But the upside is it's a little bit easier to justify having a beer during the pod when we're doing Friday night than when we're doing Friday at noon. Yeah, beer is good, and also having all the injury report stuff is good. We don't we don't have to guess on this stuff, so it's a, it's actually a better show for the people. You know, we're we're sacrificing our Friday night for you guys. Don't tell them it's a better show now. It's going to lock us in for doing it this time <laughs> it every is. week. Well, it is. It's the truth. <laughs> all right, I guess honesty is best here. So let's be honest now about who we like at quarterback. Starting with Cash, Jared. What do you like for Week Five on DraftKings? Yeah, I'm playing Tom Brady in Cash. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence pops as our top dollars per point value. Um, he's $400 cheaper than Brady. I, I just feel safer about Brady and the Bucks winning that game with their passing game. I think there's a chance the Jags just you know run it with James Robinson, the whole bunch, and you know, Lawrence has just an okay game. Uh, we saw the Bucks go back super pass-heavy last week with their wide receivers, I mean, with their top four wide receivers finally back. Uh, you know, Brady had the big game in the loss to the Chiefs. Uh, great, great spot here against Atlanta. Atlanta, 31st in adjusted points allowed to quarterback so far and Brady since joining the box has had four big games against Atlanta that includes last year he had five touchdowns in the first meeting four touchdowns in the second meeting uh the Bucks have the second second highest implied total on the main slate so I, I think Brady is a safe bet at what I think I think he's he's too cheap I think he should be more than six thousand bucks I don't think there is anything wrong with Tom Brady at all this week for all the reasons you mentioned. I do think that there is a chance, you know, as you said, we saw them go pass heavy last week with wide receivers getting healthier. They were also way behind in that game, 21 to three early in the second quarter. So I think that some of that was probably um, driven by game script. I think there's some chance that similarly, if the Bucks do jump out to a lead against the Falcons, maybe they use it as a chance to pull back a little bit let Tom Brady rest the shoulder, the rest the finger that might be bothering him some, maybe ease up on some of those receivers that are still still dealing with stuff. Again, I think Tom Brady's fine, but I also like Trevor Lawrence at 5,600. I do get the salary savings. I think he, to me, he's as safe as Tom Brady this week. Maybe the Jaguars don't pass as much as the Bucs, but you know we don't know for sure anything as we go into these. Even with his debacle last week, uh, Trevor Lawrence is still ahead of Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, among others, in total fantasy points for the season. So basically for Trevor Lawrence and you know Tom Brady aside, I'm just throwing out week four and pretending like it didn't happen for projecting Trevor Lawrence going forward. This week, Houston comes in as the seventh best scoring matchup for quarterbacks by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Yeah, no issue with Lawrence. You know, he'd be my cash play if Brady was, you know, say 6,500 bucks. And I actually think Lawrence is a good tournament play. Um, I don't think he's going to be that high owned. I like stacking him up with Christian Kirk. So I'm definitely on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and it looks like Christian Kirk might be a little highly owned. I'm not sure that it's going to be too much to actually alter plans for Trevor Lawrence stacks. I don't, I certainly don't mind Trevor Lawrence here either. And you know, we talk some about fading a guy in a GPP setup because of the high ownership, but a lot of times I think that gets overplayed a little bit. You can still play somebody as long as we're not talking about like a 30% guy, you can still play him if he's up a little bit and just make that up elsewhere because even the higher owned players are not going to all be in the same lineups across the tournament. Exactly. For sure. So who else do you like among tourney quarterbacks? Yeah. I mean, I think you can always make a good case for Josh Allen and Jalen hurts. You know, they, 
they have 35 point potential every time they, they step on the field. I, I actually prefer Hertz this week. Um, with the Bills' weapons all kinds of banged up. I mean, Dawson Knox is out. Jamison Crowder's out. Isaiah McKenzie is questionable with his concussion. I kind of like just playing Stephon Diggs from the Bills' side. Just you know, hope he soaks up, you know, like 30%, 40% of Josh Allen's passing production. And then, you know, playing Jalen Hurts, who is in a great spot. You know, don't have to worry about weather this week. He, he's in Arizona. Eagles have the third highest implied total on the main slate. Arizona, 28th in football outsiders pass defense, DVOA. They're 20th in adjusted points. So that, that secondary is just bad. So I think Hertz should have his way passing and he always he always brings big rushing upside. I like that. And even, you know, even if you don't want to pay up for Stefan Diggs, you could toss in Gabriel Davis. You could toss in Devin Singletary in some of these DraftKings tournaments lineups and get some of that Bills scoring without having to rely on Josh Allen. I also like Carson Wentz over here, pro- projected for 2% ownership in our numbers right now. That's less than a quarter of the early number for Trevor Lawrence, which itself is still in single digits. We get Terry McLaurin coming in. Um, at a very low owned rate right now. He's also $400 in savings versus Christian Kirk if we're talking about a Washington stack versus a Jacksonville stack. And I mean, also on that front, Washington is a slight home underdog versus Tennessee. That's a defense that plays the run better than the pass so far. Titans are also likely to be missing Amani Hooker. I forgot to check to see if he's not playing. I know that we already know by now whether he's in or out, but I got to check that after the show. They're banged up on defense as well is the point. It's a bad defense to begin with. So if it's further weekend, there's only more upside for the Washington offense. And I mean, Derrick Henry is an interesting pairing with this Washington crew because he's sitting at 10th in ownership projection among running backs and I'm not saying it's a cake matchup for him, but we've seen him get thrown the ball more over the past couple weeks. So if we can get Derrick Henry's upside in general at a lower own rate with this um, low owned Washington passing offense, I think it's just an interesting matchup that might get overlooked a little bit. I love Carson Wentz this week for tournaments. Um, you know, he, he, he's been bad the last two weeks against Philly and Dallas. Those are both top six quarterback defenses, but you know, Wentz put up 33 and 32 DraftKings points the first two weeks. Like he's shown us that upset. And I also love Terry McLaurin. I'll talk about him a bit more when we get to the wide receivers, but I definitely like Wentz. Um, I like Teddy Bridgewater as another cheap quarterback option, 5,400 bucks. We'll see about the wide receivers. They're both questionable. I think Jalen Waddle seems like he's going to play. He played through that growing issue last week. Tyreek Hill was added to the injury report on Thursday, limited again on Friday. So we'll have to see about those guys, you know, makes, those guys are riskier, makes Bridgewater riskier, but I think you can take on that risk in tournaments because if they hit, you know, against this Jets defense, I think if those wide receivers are healthy, they could both have big games. So I like Bridgewater. And then I'm going to go back to, to Justin Herbert. I played him last week. I feel like it was a good play. He was awesome. The offense was awesome. It was just, you know, Eckler got a couple of the touchdowns and that prevented Herbert from having the big day. But um, I think this is another potential shootout against the Browns. Those te- These teams met. Last year, you know, different quarterback on the Brown side. They had Odell Beckham at that point, um, but it was it was like a 47 to 44 game or something. Justin Herbert went for 398 yards and four touchdowns. And at least by the numbers, that Browns pass defense was a lot better last year than it has been so far this year. So I think Herbert could go off. I think you stack him with Mike Williams. And then I think you can run it back with, you know, either Browns running back or even I think Amari Cooper would be an interesting run back, uh, run back this week. Yeah, I'll have some stuff on that Chargers-Browns matchup for the FanDuel portion of the show after this. And just to make up for my not knowing when I brought it up, Amani Hooker is out, the safety for the Titans. Uh, Bud Dupree is out, the edge rusher for the Titans. So further weakens a defense that already didn't scare us for Carson Wentz purposes. Running back for cash, Jared. Alvin Kamara sits high at 6,600. He says he's feeling great. 
the injury report says he's questionable. Are you going to trust the running back's words enough to go ahead and put him in DK cash lineups? I'm going to. I might regret it by Sunday night, but I just think the price is too good and the matchup is too good for Kamara. Seattle dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, they're 27th in football outside of running back coverage rankings, so they've struggled against running backs in the passing game, so I think Kamara can do some damage there. Um, I do still think Andy Dalton is better for Kamara than Jameis Winston. I think you know Dalton's more likely to check it down than Winston is, and no Michael Thomas for the Saints, which you know could push some more action Kamara's way. So I'm going to take on a slight bit of risk for a guy who I, I, he, he's my favorite running back play of the week. I'm going to play Kamara in cash games and in tournaments. And that is why he's on the thumbnail for this podcast. I that, and yeah. I mean, so the, the other thing here is um, if he's active, the team has been conservative with him over this span while he's dealing with the rib injury, he's been held out for two games. So I think that if he's active, it means he's ready to go. You know, you never know if he's going to take a shot, but Thursday night, we lost Naheem Hines right away to a concussion. So we never know really anyway with the running back. There are, There is always some risk. I think that if Alvin Kamara is active for this game, it's not actually that much of a risk. And if he's not active for the game, we're going to know that. And we can sub in somebody else into our DFS lineup. So I, I don't think it's really something that we need to worry about for our purposes here. It's this, the league's second worst uh, defense overall is Seattle. So, yeah, I love the upside for him here. Detroit's run D is the worst in the league and they're facing new England's run D, which is second worst in the league. So I think that's a game to play as many running backs as you want. You play Jamal Williams, certainly from the Detroit side. I think the ownership level might be high enough where it challenges whether you use him in a tournament lineup. Um, but you know, we can look at that as we get closer to Sunday, certainly in play for cash lineups on the Patriots side. I think both of these running backs are in play. And I think for DK purposes, Ramondre Stevenson's probably the better bet. He's got a big lead over Damian Harris in past snaps. He's got a solid lead in targets. So he just has the better floor for the points that we're looking for from here, because the touchdowns obviously are always volatile. We're guessing at who's going to get lucky there. Yep. I'm I'm playing Ramondre Stevenson in cash on DraftKings, 5,500 bucks. Um, yeah, I think both running backs should have a nice day on the ground. Um, you know, Harris has outcarried Stevenson in three or four games, but Stevenson's still been getting, you know, 10 to 10 to 14 carries per game. Plus, he has five targets in each of the last two games, 19% of the Patriots targets over the last two weeks. So if the Pats fall behind, which is definitely possible, even though they're favored in this game, I think, you know, St- Stevenson is a safer bet to deliver, you know, at least cash game value, where I think Harris, I'll be more interested in tournaments. I think Stevenson will probably be more popular. I have to check the ownership projections on that. Um, but I think Harris is the better play in tournaments as the better touchdown. But I wonder if one way to get crazy, and I had it down in my FanDuel <laughs> notes, but I mean here too, I wonder if one way to get crazy is to play both of these guys yeah. in the same tournament lineup. Because now that we've got no Mac Jones, almost definitely for this game, he's doubtful. It's going to be Bailey Zappi. We're going to get lots of touches for these running backs. It should be a game where Detroit doesn't run away from them. I would like to say that we've gotten a lot of points from the Detroit offense so far. So we'll see if that happens again this week. But like you said, the Patriots are still favored in this matchup. So we shouldn't expect the lions to go up on them. So, you know, why not a bunch of touches for both of these guys, touchdown opportunities for both of these guys against, like I said, the league's worst run defense. Yeah, they are first and third in our dollars per point, you know, value rankings. You know, so they're they're both in the mid five k. So they're they're both cheap. You can pretty, build a pretty stacked lineup around them. Um, I think they could get forty touches combined. You know, maybe even top that. Um, 
yeah, I, I definitely think that's interesting. I'd probably, I probably wouldn't do it in like the huge tournaments, like, you know, like the Millie maker, cause you need ultimate upside in those. But if you're in like a single entry tournament, smaller field, I think uh, both Patriots running backs could, could work. I did see though, one of those, I don't know if it was the Millie maker, but one of those million dollar tournaments, somebody won that just overstacked the Seattle Detroit yeah. game last week. So, I mean, sometimes like I, you would almost never play two running backs from the same team. So that's what makes it, I think, when when there is a path to it working out, like if yep. if we get to Sunday night and both Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris have two touchdowns on the day, it wouldn't be like, whoa, how in the world did that happen? So I it's it I, it wouldn't be like my primary tournament lineup if there is even that. It wouldn't be the thing I do most percentage of, but it's one situation where I think it, you know, it might be it might not be duplicated very much. I think it's <laughs> it's worth entering a little bit at least yeah yeah the the winning millie maker teams rarely make sense when you go look at them like i'm, I'm never like oh that's a lineup i definitely would have built that you know makes logical sense so that that's why i don't play the millie maker anymore <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> on the gpp side of running back otherwise it, it looks like austin eckler's ownership might come in lower than it should on dk's tied for 10th in that category coming off a three touchdown game and you know, we talked about for season long why we're, we're concerned that he might not get those goal line touches. We're still waiting to see if he is owning enough of that part of the Chargers offense. But, you know, for a one-off week, we'll go ahead and say, yeah, Austin Eckler is a spotlight in their offense. He's coming off a three-touchdown game. They're getting a defense that's not scary. It's the third worst run defense by Football Outsiders DVOA. Also 22nd in coverage DVOA versus running backs are the Browns. So it's a great spot for Austin Eckler. So if there's any you know, lower level of ownership than there should be. I think that makes him attractive. And he had 120 total yards and three touchdowns in that meeting last year against the Browns. And you, know, you could definitely stack Eckler up with, with Justin Herbert. That definitely makes sense because of his pass catching role. So Eckler's interesting. Again, I, th- I think both running backs on the other side of that game, Nick Chubb, 8,000 bucks. I mean, it'll cost you. I never feel great playing Nick Chubb at that price on DraftKings because the lack of pass catching, but I mean, he can break long runs. He can score. He already has a three touchdown game this season. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt at $6,000, I think is even more interesting, um, especially in a Herbert stack because you kind of play for Herbert to get out to a big lead, you know, throw a couple touchdowns and then Hunt be on the field more as the Browns primary pass catching guy. So uh, both those running backs had nice games in that matchup against the chargers last year. Um, I like Dalvin cook at 7,300 bucks. Um, I'd avoid him in cash because not only because of the shoulder injury, but because his passing game role was scaled back. I think because of the shoulder injury last week, his pass routes were down. He only saw a couple targets, I think. So um, that has me off him in cash. But you know, in this game against the Bears, you know, the Vikings could win by three touchdowns. It could just be you know twenty five carries for Dalvin Cook, so he could definitely have a big game. And especially here, we can get that 100-yard bonus if he gets there, so that can make up for um, missing receptions. I want to highlight James Robinson as well. We talked about the Jacksonville matchup, and you know, especially if you are a little bit worried about the passing volume for Trevor Lawrence, if they control this game the way the Vegas Lions says that they should, James Robinson is 6,300, so very affordable, and 4% ownership projection in our lineup generator right now, which is really low for the clear lead runner in an offense that's favored by seven points at home. He's also only played three fewer pass snaps on the season than Travis Etienne. So James Robinson really like the opportunity, like the upside for the matchup and like the price and ownership projection. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'll throw out one more guy, Devin Singletary. If you're not playing a Josh Allen team, even if you are playing a Josh Allen team, you could, you know, stack Singletary up with it. But I think if you're not playing Josh Allen, Singletary is a good way to kind of get leverage off the Josh Allen teams. Um, 
just you know, Singletary is basically back in the role he was in, you know, for the last what was it, four or five games of last season when he was like an RB one in fantasy. You know, he's playing 70, 80 percent of the snaps. He's playing a big role in the passing game. He has a 17 and 14 percent target shares the past two weeks. And again, with all the injuries on to the Bills pass catchers, I think Singletary is again a, a good bet to play a big role in that passing game. And only because I never like letting other people get the last word. I'm going to throw out one more running back, Tyler Algier, 4,700 bucks. So that's the thing is the 4,700. If you're trying to build expensive elsewhere, you need some savings. And I think Tyler Algier is somebody who's not going to get used a whole lot. Now, I don't know what his role is going to be exactly this week, but if he is the lead back for Atlanta this week, like the clear lead back talking both running and receiving. And if, Atlanta plays this game tougher than the Vegas line says that they will. It's up to 10 points. So, you know, nobody's expecting it, but we are talking about the offense that is ninth in overall DVOA so far. So there's at least a chance that they're a surprising offense in this game and that Tyler Algier gets a larger share of the backfield stuff than we might be able to project. So if both of those things happen, then I think he's a steal at 4,700 bucks. And no Kyle Pitts for Atlanta. So like it's Drake London and then, I don't know. Hope Tyler Algier can can do something for them. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm okay with him at that price tag. I think if you play him, you're hoping he gets like all the passing down work and you know catches four or five balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did lead in that area, the receiving area in particular last week. Um, you know, on the non Cordell Patterson opportunities, wide receiver for cash. Jared, where are you going? Yeah, I'm like living in the mid range this week for cash. Uh, I'm going to start with Christian Kirk for six thousand six hundred bucks. Um, again disappointed last week in the box score against a tough Eagles defense and in crappy conditions, but nine targets and a 39% target share in that game. Uh, Kirk's at a 27% target share for the season. Only 13 wide receivers have more total targets. And as we've said, uh, Houston dead last and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So I like Christian Kirk. I like Chris Olave, kind of the same deal, just you know, betting on volume um, 25 plus percent target share in three straight games. For Olave, no Michael Thomas. I think you know. I think he's a good bet to again see twenty-five plus percent of the Saints' targets and gets the great matchup against Seattle. And then other side of that game, I like Tyler Lockett. He's just been consistent, really. Um, he wasn't no, great. Tyler Lockett. <laughs> I know it's Geno Smith, man. Geno has made Tyler Lockett consistent. Something Russell Wilson can never do. Uh, I don't want to pile on to Russell Wilson anymore. He's he's taking it. No, he deserves piling on. Hours. Um, but fourteen plus DraftKings points in three straight games for Tyler Lockett. He has 11, 11, and eight targets in those games. Um, you know, this is just a super condensed passing game. It's Lockett and Metcalf accounting for you know like fifty five percent of the targets. So I think he's he's a pretty safe bet at that price tag. I was thinking about this earlier today, and I'm not sure if you're quite old enough to be in prime Alex Rodriguez position, but to me, Russell Wilson is like the NFL version of Alex Rodriguez in that there's obviously tons of talent, and he's not a bad guy, but he just seems so <laughs> inauthentic. Like, okay. he he is harder to like because of how hard it seems like he's trying to be likable. Yeah, like pe- people that can be, like, too nice, like, they're they're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. If you're fake nice or like if you have a garbage game and then you end your press conference with Broncos country, let's ride. Just shut up. (laughs) Just say I played like crap. I feel bad about it. I'm going to try to do better next time and then leave without a tagline like you're a goddamn commercial and shoulder pads. (laughs) I'm definitely old enough to remember a right there. I used to hate that guy. Now I grew up a Blue Jays fan. So back when I cared about sports teams, I I was I was a big anti a rat guy. Yeah. And so is everybody who was not specifically an A-Rod yes. person, but that, that, that just struck me as a parallel. So 
Anyway, away from Russell Wilson, Chris Olave, I absolutely agree with 30.3% target share over the past three weeks and facing the league's worst pass defense. So, I mean, James Winston might be better for him just because of their matching styles, but Andy Dalton played well last week. So all Chris Olave needs is somebody who's capable of throwing a football and he's a good play here, especially at 5,700. Chris Godwin, I also like 5,900 in that game. Um, even if I'm not playing Tom Brady, I think Chris Godwin is a pretty safe bet based on playing time he got last week, based on the targets he got. And I mean, we don't need a, a thoroughly pass heavy game for him to pay off. Yeah. I thought about Godwin and I, you know, I could sub him in for Olave or Lockett. Um, I don't know. I guess just coming off the ACL and with the hamstring, I'm just a, still a little iffy to play him in cash, but I, do, I, I love him in tournaments. It's a great price and it's a great matchup. It's a matchup. He's, he smashed in the past few times these teams have met. Yeah, it's certainly fair. I would counter with if he were totally healthy, he'd be like a 7,500-plus yes. receiver. Yep, that's true. On the GPP side, what do you like it wide out? Yeah, so we you know talked about the Bills receiver. So we should mention Khalil Shakir, who is 3,200 bucks. if we get no Isaiah McKenzie. Like, the, the way the Bills play, and especially with Dawson Knox out, like Shakir is going to be on the field for almost every single snap. So, you know, give, give me that for 3,200. But I even think he's an option for cash if – that's how you're building. If you want to go more expensive at, you know, a couple wide receiver spots and then play Shakir that, again, if McKenzie's out. So we'll see about that. Um, I do think Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis are also good tournament plays. I like AJ Brown a lot though. Um, again, I'm kind of on this Eagles passing game. AJ Brown has a 25 plus percent target share in all four games so far this season. You know, he's consistently seen a big piece of that passing game. And, you know, if you look at the, the PFF uh, matchup charts, Brown's the only receiver this week that has a 100 matchup advantage, which you know just means he's he's a lot better than the guys he's going to be facing in that Cardinal secondary. So it could definitely be a big AJ Brown game, which is absolutely true regardless of which individual he lines up against on any given play. I also read this week that he actually has been friends for a long time with Jalen Hurts, so that helps. Um, Khalil Shakir, I have down as well for GPP. I think that if I were going cheap for cash and also throwing him out here as a GPP option, I like Marquez Callaway at the same price level, 3,300 for Callaway. He played 97% of the snaps last week with Michael Thomas out. That's even more playing time than Chris Olave got for the Saints. Obviously, like Olave better for target likelihood, but if you're on the field that much against this bad a defense, then you're a good bet at 3,300 bucks. So uh, like Marquez Callaway, I do like Khalil Shakir in these tourney lineups. And Terry McLaurin, even if you're not playing, uh, Carson Wentz, I think Terry McLaurin at 6,200 has plenty of upside and that 2% ownership projection that if he does go off, you're getting something that a lot of the field is not. Yeah, I love McLaurin. Again, if I, obviously we'll play him if I use Carson Wentz in a tournament team. I'm going to play a lot of just one-off McLaurins too. Um, so first of all, we have no Jahan Dotson, so that's 13% of the targets left behind. Um, Logan Thomas, who I wanted to talk about tonight because I liked him a lot, but now he's iffy with, what was it, a hamstring or a calf, something he hurt on yeah, Friday, calf. and he's not questionable. So, And then this matchup for McLaurin, so Tennessee's been bad against wide receivers in general, 25th in adjusted points allowed in wideouts, and then they're the worst defense against deep passes, according to f- football outsiders, and that's how – Washington's been using McLaurin this season. He has a 15.4 yard average depth of target. He already has eight targets, 20 plus yards downfield. That's one of the highest marks in the NFL. So I just like the individual matchup for Terry McLaurin. So I'm going to be playing a lot of him. And then I like the Callaway call too. I'll be curious to see, um, you know, between Callaway and Shakir, who's the more popular cheap wide receiver for tournaments. Cause you know, whoever's, whoever's coming in at lower projected ownership, I'm probably going to be tossing that guy in some tournament teams. 
I'll also be curious to see just where those projections are for both of them, because, you know, if 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 one's more popular, but we're talking like five percent versus two or three percent, then sure. you know, certainly they're both in play for us. And, you know, as you mentioned on the um, Washington, Tennessee front, Amani Amani Hooker is out for that Tennessee secondary. So that certainly only helps the deep ball upside for the Washington passing game. So, yeah. And those adjusted fantasy points allowed that Jared brought up, you can find those on DraftSharks.com If you're an insider, we got them for every position. So you head over there, you see, you know, not just what teams have allowed to that specific position, but adjusted for those opponents, because obviously we only know so much by looking at the numbers themselves. If a team is facing a ton more pass attempts, then they're going to give up more passing points. If the team is facing, you know, only crappy passing games, then they're going to give up fewer points and look like a better matchup. So it's key to have those numbers adjusted um, so that we can really read into what we're seeing over at tight end for cash. Jared, where are you leaning? It's gotta be Tyler Higby, right? I mean, still just 4,300 bucks. Um, Leads leads all tight ends with 38 targets. I mean, because, you know, Allen Robinson can't do anything. So it's just Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby in this passing game. I, I like Higby in this matchup, too, because I think Dallas's pass rush is going to be a major problem for the Rams. I think you're going to they're going to have to throw a lot of short passes. Um, and, that, you know, that's where Higby's been living. So I could see him catching, you know, another six, seven, eight little dump offs from Stafford on Sunday. Yeah, his worst statistical game so far was a five-catch game on 11 targets in week one, so it's going pretty well. And his weakest game of usage, he still caught four for 61. So uh, he's all of a sudden become Hig Beast. We've been waiting for this for (laughs) at least like a year and a half. And Dallas is allowing 73% catch rate to tight ends so far. The other the other part of liking Higby here is I, I usually like to go for somebody in the 3K range, but there's some risky guys in that 3K range at tight end this week. Even David Njoku gets a tough matchup for tight end so far. I think he's in play, but if I can afford the 500 to get up to Tyler Higby, I'd rather do that as well. GPP, though, I think Gerald Everett at 4,200 is a nice pivot off of Higby, who's going to be the highest-owned tight end on this particular slate, which doesn't have Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews to draw ownership away. The Browns are also mid-pack in tight end coverage, so it's not a scary matchup at all for Gerald Everett. OJ Howard, Jared, popped back onto the radar in week one with those two touchdowns on like two catches, but <laughs> now he's 2,600 in salary and Brevin Jordan's out. All of a sudden I see his name popping in the lineup generator. Yeah, Brevin Jordan's out and they released Farrell Brown, which is kind of surprising. He, Brown was hurt and then he just got cut this week. So it's 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 OJ Howard and then Jordan Akins. And Howard ran her out on 65% of the pass plays last week, saw 14% target share. Um, yeah, he's, he's worth a shot in tournaments. Um, I think Kate Otten's worth a shot in tournaments too. Cameron Bray out for the Bucks. Otten stepped in, you know, he, he had a pretty high route rate last week, you know, after Cam Bray left that game. So he looks like the guy that's, you know, going to replace Bray as the primary pass catching tight end. And again, it's just a great spot for the Bucks passing game. So I think Otten's a pretty good touchdown bat for a tight end that's 2,500 bucks. Yeah. certainly can't argue with a $2,500, uh, Tom Brady tight end. Zach Ertz, I think, at 4,800 is probably going to just kind of get lost in the woods there at tight end. Facing the Eagles, still lots of injuries in that Cardinals wide receiver core. We don't know about Rondell Moore yet for this game. I don't. We don't know about A.J. Green yet either, do we? Is he questionable Green, for this one? Green, Green's good to go. Okay. Uh, Rondell Moore is questionable. Yeah, so still plenty of target opportunity for Zach Ertz in this game, especially because I, I base it more on passing volume than matchup. The Eagles matchup is tougher by the numbers this week than it was last week for tight ends. But I mean, this could be another game where Arizona has to throw the ball a lot more than it wants to just because it falls behind. Cause they stink. 
I like the tight end on the other side of that game, of course, Dallas Goddard. Um, oh. You know, I, I, his, his big game's coming. Like, we've seen A.J. Brown have a big game or two. We've seen Devontae Smith have a big – like, one of these games, it's going to be a Dallas Goddard game. He's getting the usage we want to see. Um, Arizona also bad against tight ends. Football Outsiders has them 29th in tight end coverage. They're 26th in adjusted points allowed to the position. So I'll definitely be playing some Goddard. And I think George Kittle is an awesome tournament play. Like he's been back for two weeks now. He's disappointed both weeks. The usage, you know, as far as the, the pass routes has been great. 86% in both games. You know, he, he's actually not blocking that much, which you might think if you're just looking at the box scores. Um, but he's just 5,200 bucks now. He's coming in 2% projected ownership. Like, I think if you just keep playing Kittle every week now until he has a big game, that'd be a good move. I'm not sure it's going to come this week because this game against Carolina just, you know, seems like a 17 to three game and San Francisco can just run it a whole bunch. Um, so maybe it's not this week for Kittle, but I, I do still think he's going to have like a 25 point game one of these weeks and it's going to happen at a pretty cheap price and at like no ownership. Well, and, and this also might be a week where you don't need as many points to be the top scoring tight end or a top scoring tight end because of the guys we're missing. And another thing working in his favor, the Panthers are definitely without Jeremy Chin, one of their starting safeties. They might be without Xavier Woods, who's questionable, but missed practice all week with a hamstring injury. So it could just be a very good matchup for Kittle this week. He just missed a touchdown last week, so he would yep. be even looking more attractive right now if he had just caught that. Um, so, yeah, there's there's rarely anything wrong with playing George Kittle. I can certainly get behind um, using him this week. On defense, I think my favorite on DraftKings is the $2,500 Cowboys against the Rams who have been way friendlier to team defenses than they really should be. And the only one close to the Cowboys is a $2,600 Panthers who get Jimmy Garoppolo. But, you know, the Niners could score plenty on the ground or just have a Debo week and score plenty of points. So if I'm choosing between them, I lean Cowboys. Either one of those cheap ones are going to be my go-to for cash. Yeah, definitely Dallas for me and cash. I think they're the best sack bat probably in the entire league this week. Dallas is top three in sacks and adjusted sack rate in PFF pass rush grade. The Rams are bottom four in sacks allowed and adjusted sack rate allowed in PFF pass blocking grade. So that's just a major mismatch. Um, I'm still surprised the Rams have such a high implied total, but it is coming down. It opened the week at 26. Now it's down to 23.75. So wow. um that you know that I I think it should be lower even. Maybe it will come down a bit more. But um you know, we don't like playing defenses on the road as underdogs and all that stuff. But I I, I just I I feel good about the Cowboys defense and cash. And then, I mean, you know, that could help them in a tournament because you don't generally like to play mm -hmm. defenses on the road. But, I mean, it's it's a it's an upside spot with the way Matthew Stafford's played so far. For sure. One other, if the salary doesn't get in the way, uh, Dolphins at 3,200 against the Jets and also Jaguars 3,400 against the Texans. I think there's plenty of upside to those two defenses. It, it I would... I would make sure that the salary works before playing them, though, as opposed to playing them and then fitting the salary otherwise. I always talk about these expensive defenses for tournaments, then I get to building my lineups, and I, I never actually get to them. Um, but, I, I, I mean, Jacksonville's in a great spot. San Francisco is in a great spot. That's just a, a talented defense. Uh, I, I know they are, they're missing a few uh, D linemen, right? But it's, it's a pretty deep D line, and you know, we've seen how Baker Mayfield's played these first four weeks. Yeah, and I mean, it, it hurts to not have Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw, but I don't think – I think the impact is probably greater on, like, the integrity of their run defense than it is on the upside of their fantasy scoring possibilities. So, yeah, right. I don't think it's a huge factor in whether to play the team defense. 
All right. That's going to do it for the week five DraftKings podcast. You can head over to draftsharks.com now, play around with our lineup generator, build your own lineups for DraftKings, for FanDuel, for Yahoo as well. You can also find Jared's articles highlighting top picks for cash and GPP entries on DraftKings. For Jared Small and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shastan. Thanks so much for swimming with us.